The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Star Wars 7x7, episode 833. Today it's our final day of looking at Star Wars Ahsoka, the new novel by E.K. Johnston. And today we're focusing on Ahsoka herself and things we learn about her time after the fall of the Republic, including the mystery of her white lightsabers revealed. Punch it, Chewie. Feel a disturbance in the Force? It's Star Wars 7x7, your daily seven-minute podcast with your host, Alan Voivod. Destiny Unleashed. Hey, Rebel Rouser. Welcome to Star Wars 7x7. I'm your host, Alan Voivod, and this does contain mild to middling spoilers of the Star Wars Ahsoka novel, so here's your warning up front if you haven't read it yet and don't want it to be spoiled, then save this podcast for a later date, but if you are good with hearing about it, then let's move right into it. Now, the other day, this would be Tuesday, the day that we did our non-spoiler review of Ahsoka, I played for you a clip from Dave Filoni speaking at Star Wars Celebration Europe about how one of the uncompleted arcs in the Clone Wars series had to do with Ahsoka helping Bo-Katan on Mandalore with some big issue that was going on there, and Anakin assigning all of his clone troopers, or at least half of the clone troopers and Captain Rex, to her on Mandalore to go fight Darth Maul and the rest of the people that he was allied with. And... At that point, he had to go off, Anakin did, along with Obi-Wan, to rescue the Chancellor, which is the beginning of Revenge of the Sith. So we get a bit of what happened on Mandalore at the very beginning of this novel and how Ahsoka deals with Darth Maul. I'm not going to spoil that one for you. You're going to have to read the novel to find out. But we don't get the official deal on how Order 66 went down. We got it blow by blow in Revenge of the Sith, of course, and the Kanan the Last Padawan comic book series actually gave us the blow by blow of what happened with him and Depa Balaba when Order 66 went into effect. But here we do not get it, unfortunately. What we do know is that not all of the clones, only a handful, I would say, at this point, like there's no evidence that a majority of the clones or a significant number of clones had their inhibitor chips removed prior to Order 66. It seems like only a handful of them did, including Captain Rex. Now, we know Ahsoka and Rex were among those survivors because we see them in Star Wars Rebels. What we find out in the novel is that there's a body that's buried in a grave that is marked as being Rex's, and it is not Rex. It is a fake, which is something that, well, you know, since clones look alike, number one, and number two, you put them in their armor and they look even more alike, well, that's how they end up faking Rex's death. And Ahsoka leaves her lightsabers behind. She jams them into the ground at Rex's grave, and the idea is that they're trying to sell a story where... Ahsoka killed Rex, and Rex killed Ahsoka. 
and they both go their separate ways so that way they can hide out, not be seen together, not be caught together, and start their lives anew and on the run. Now, we don't get to see Rex in the novel. We don't know where he went to, so we're not going to see any of his journey at this point. We do know, of course, that Ahsoka went to the planet Thabasca and tried to settle there and was there for a good long while, like a year practically. And then she had to bounce to Rada, and then she went back to Thabasca for a while, and then back to Rada one more time before she started working with the Rebellion. She tried to keep her head down and worked as a mechanic and was making something of a life for herself until the Empire showed up on Thabasca. And then her time on Rada, where she had to end up helping the farmers as they were being oppressed by the Empire, well, yeah, she realized that there was still good that she wanted to do in the galaxy. But she did not have lightsabers anymore and could not act like a Jedi or like a Force user. But there's reference throughout the novel to a bunch of tech pieces that she's carrying around very carefully. And where they've come from, mm, I don't recall getting a clear picture of that in the book. But it turns out that they are basically lightsaber hilts. But they're not very good without actual lightsaber crystals, are they? So she does take a shot at going to Ilum or Ilum to get new lightsaber crystals, and she realizes that she has to listen for them to actually have them sing to her and call to her and let her know that her crystals are waiting for her, the right crystals are waiting for her. Well, she gets to Ilum or Ilum, and she is far enough away from the Star Destroyers at first that they aren't able to immediately detect her presence, but she is immediately able to detect that the crystals that are meant for her are not on Ilum. So she has to meditate and figure out where exactly they are, and it turns out that they are on Rada. So that is another reason why she has to go back, aside from the fact that she promised she would go back and help these farmers in their dealings with the Empire. But as she goes back, it turns out that the crystals are in the possession of the sixth brother. And I mentioned to you earlier this week that the Inquisitorius was already active and working as of this time period, as of at least a year after the fall of the Republic. So the Sixth Brother has one of those fancy lightsabers with two blades on it. And, yeah, they don't seem to be doing very well for the Inquisitors. I mean, you know, the Grand Inquisitor had his pretty well torn up by Kanan, and Ahsoka has no problem tearing up the Sixth Brother's double-bladed lightsaber. And when she does, she's able to extract the crystals from them. Now... The crystals had been read, of course, in the Inquisitor's lightsaber, and this apparently has to do with a process called bleeding the crystal, which is something that the bad guys do that negates what natural color the crystals would be. But when Ahsoka installs them in her lightsabers and activates her lightsabers for the first time, they light up pure white. Now, this is rare as far as we know in the Star Wars universe, to be sure, However, it may turn out that there are a lot of other force wheelers running around with lightsabers that are pure white as well. So you could jump to the conclusion that the pure whiteness of the lightsabers has to do with Ahsoka's neutrality in the force, that she is not aligned with either the Jedi or the Sith. Because, of course, we get red for the Sith, and we get things like blue and green primarily for the Jedi. Of course, there are a couple other colors too, but they are color colors. They are not bright white like Ahsoka's. 
So maybe it has to do with the fact that she's neither Jedi or Sith. Maybe it has to do with the fact that when a Sith user bleeds a crystal, that it can't actually be used in any other color, and so it's just going to automatically be white, no matter who uses it, unless a Sith Lord manages to bleed it again or something like that. We don't necessarily know yet, and you know what? It's okay, because it's okay for there to be a bit of mystery in Star Wars, isn't it? But that is the story of how Ahsoka gets her white lightsabers, and that is going to wrap up our coverage of the Star Wars Ahsoka novel by E.K. Johnston. Definitely a fun read, worth your time. I've got trivia waiting for you on the other side of the break, so stay tuned. Hey, Rebel Rouser. You're listening to this podcast. Maybe you'd like to listen to a Star Wars story, too. Luckily, we've got just the thing for you. We've partnered with Audible to give you a free download and a free 30-day trial of their awesome service. All you got to do is go to audibletrial.com SW7X7 to sign up and get your free download. They've got dozens of Star Wars titles. Anything you want to do to explore that galaxy far, far away. One more time for you, audibletrial.com SW7X7. Alright, I've got a trivia question here. Hey, Bayes, you want to get in on this? I find the Empire now. Okay, I'll leave you to it then. Last time I asked you what was unusual about the way the Falcon jumped to light speed when that Rathtar got killed, and that was the fact that it jumped to light speed from inside another ship. Today's question, how many times does the Falcon use light speed to go places in The Force Awakens? Thanks for listening to another episode of Star Wars 7x7. And hey, before you go into hiding in the desert, check out SW7x7.com for show notes, links, photos, videos, and more. And we'll be able to do even more with the show for you with your support at Patreon.com SW7x7. It's not a crazy old hermit, it's Destiny Unleashed. Podcast is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox. It is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. May the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2016 Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it.